98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. All right, I was wrong. International Coffee Day is Saturday, October 1st. We're still a couple days away from that. But maybe today is National Coffee Day. Yeah. Sorry, okay, I was right. Today's National Coffee Day. National Coffee Day 2022. Today's show Every website. Day it's something. National Coffee Day of 2022. Where to get deals on coffee on National Coffee Day. Where to get free coffee and deals on National Coffee Day 2022. Yeah, today is National Coffee Day. You know what else today is? What? National Take a Blowtorch to the Arizona Cardinals Ooh. Day. Yeah, because our, our top, we've led the show with it. We've led each hour today with a story in which somebody's taking some shots at the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. Now, we'll play the LaShawn McCoy audio, taking some shots at Kyler Murray a little later on in this hour. That adds to the national take a blowtorch to the Cardinals day. We start this hour with an an article authored by Jason LaConfora of CBS Sports and the Washington Post in which specifically he and anonymous executives and scouts around the NFL and NFC take a blowtorch to the Arizona Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury. And it is a white, hot blowtorch that these guys are carrying right now, Gambo. Some of the quotes in here, albeit anonymously, paint a very unflattering picture of what some, not all, some around the league have to think about the Cardinals head coach. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, Cardinals double down on Cliff and Kyler. It isn't working. That was the headlines in the story, and they go over a bunch of reasons why they don't like it. The Cardinals don't use motion. Everybody uses motion. They don't. The Cardinals love this 11 personnel with the three wide receivers, the one back and the one tight end, and they don't go into shotgun when all these other teams are going into... Oh, they only run shotgun. They don't go into center. Um, So you start to look at it. He says at one point, we were shocked that they uh, said a high-ranking official from an NFC club. We were shocked that they extended the coach. It's not a sophisticated scheme. He's not considered a great play caller. Every year the production drops as the season goes on. So then they break down a whole bunch of different things. You know, we know the Cardinals spent a lot of money on their offense, but they're 28th in yards per play. They're 30th intended air yards per attempt. And, you know, they got a a brutal passer rating for Kyler of 82.6, about the same as Baker. They go into detail about even Marquise Hollywood Brown. Yeah, great. He had all these catches. But man, he's not giving 10 yards a catch for this guy. Like, that's a big play guy. So they break it down a lot of things. Now, it's a smaller sample size of three games that they're breaking down, but they're looking at this and they're saying, like, look, this, you know, what we're seeing after three games is there's nothing really special about this offense. There's another quote here. One scout who has watched the Cardinals closely but is not permitted to speak about them by his employer. Quote, there is, that's exactly how it's set up, by the way, in the story. Said one scout who has watched the Cardinals closely but is not permitted to speak about them by his employer, quote, there is an arrogance to their scheme on both sides of the ball. It's like they just say, we're going to do what we plan to do no matter what, but it's not working, close quote. And in everything else that you point out about the, the putting people in motion, about shotgun, about play action and how they never use play action, 11 personnel and how they only use 11 personnel, jumbo packages and how they don't use jumbo packages right. the way other teams do. All of this kind of paints this picture that I'll be honest with you, some of it some of it I think is very, very justified what they're saying and what they're writing about this yeah. team. And, and, and I, I, I and I don't agree with it very much, but go ahead, give okay. me your reasoning. Well, I, because I, I'm I I am very disappointed. Very disappointed. 
in how this offense has played the first three games of the season without DeAndre Hopkins. I would have bought the excuse last year that no D-hop in the middle of the season, you lose them on the fly, it's tough to figure that out on the fly. I, I would have somewhat bought that as a reason for why the offense struggled. You had February, March, April, May, June, July, August, hell, September's already over now, to figure out how to run a functioning offense without DeAndre Hopkins. They haven't been able to do it. No. They haven't been able to do it. But when you sit there and you go over, and, 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 and during these breaks, I've been looking at a bunch of like the, the game film. Mm-hmm. God, Kyler misses so many open guys. He doesn't see it. He doesn't see it. It's not to me. It's not Cliff doesn't can't design an offense. It's Kyler doesn't know what the hell he's seeing pre snaps. Kyler doesn't really figure out what to do until after the play's going on. When he has when it's the ball snapped, then he tries to figure it out. But man, is like every, like I don't think it's a play design thing by Cliff. I think Cliff is designing good plays, which guys are open and. I, I just don't think Kyler knows what he's saying. I still three years in. I don't think Kyler knows what he's saying. So many times, like you know, and, and, and you watch a play and you watch a play over and over and over again. I'm not saying it off the TV, but the game film, and it's like, God, that's right, wide open. This is that's open, and, and he doesn't go there. Then you watch another play, that's but he doesn't go there. It's almost like it's almost like Kyler's failing the test most of the time. Like if you go through each play. It's is he hitting if you ask me how many times is he actually hitting the right guy in these plays I don't even think it's 50%. Yeah. I think it's less. So I don't know that it's a it's a cliff design thing as much as it is is why is Cliff not able to get Kyler to understand what he's seeing? But that's still partly on Cliff. Probably that part, probably right. I mean, that's probably, still that's yeah. still partly on. You got to coach him. You got to coach him. Coach him. I mean, your play calls are like the designs are good. The play designs are good. There's somebody always open. There's always a good every play. There's guys open and it's just. I, so, but I would the fault with me with Cliff is how are you not getting Kyler to understand what he's saying. Yeah. Why does Kyler not get to the line of scrimmage, scrimmage pre-snap and have a really good idea where I'm going to go with the ball based on what he's seeing out of the defense? He doesn't. He doesn't really make up his mind what to do until after the ball snapped. Well, it's a problem. Okay, but okay, no matter whose fault ultimately it is, okay. okay? I mean, look at everything that's been invested on making the Arizona offense great. Right. Look at all the money that's been spent. Look at all the resources that have been allocated to making the Cardinals offense fantastic. An offensive minded head coach, $230 million to a quarterback. The money that you've paid on the offensive line, the money you've paid to DeAndre Hopkins, the money presumably you're going to pay to Hollywood Brown. You don't trade a first round draft pick for two years of Hollywood Brown to let him walk. Not if you're going to be responsible about it. Right. You, you presumably are going to pay him yes. to keep him around your first pick in the draft overall this year was spent on a tight end who can barely get on the field. Why? Who can barely play. Why? You know, I, I mean, so resource after resource, dollar after dollar that is spent on an offense. And I, I don't disagree with a lot of what you're saying. I I still think a big part of the problem is no DeAndre Hopkins and nobody seems to be able to figure out how to deal with that. You're right. Okay. I mean, you're, and whether you're that not person, wrong. Whether that person is Cliff, whether that person is Kyler, man, you've 
somebody over there has had a long, long time to figure out how to run a functioning offense without DeAndre Hopkins. And I haven't seen it yet. It hasn't happened yet. Like, hardly at all in any game and they played, played in. So many games without, without him. him. And so whether it's... Figure it out. Yeah, and, and, and I... Look, I trust me, I get... The game film thing. I get that Kyler's missing this guy thing, and Kyler's missing that guy all thing. All the time. I, 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 I get all that, but this is this is what Kyler's here to do, or Cliff's here to do. And somebody on Twitter had actually suggested, when we talked about this earlier, that maybe part of the reason, maybe part of the reason why Cliff is, despite everything that's been said about him, and, and, and I, I want to say this in fairness to Cliff, obviously, three wins, five wins, eight wins, 11 wins in the playoffs, that's the kind of progression that people don't get fired over, okay? Right. And, and I was never in favor of firing Cliff Kingsbury. I was never in favor of extending Cliff Kingsbury, but I was never in favor of firing Cliff Kingsbury. He got, okay? a, fi- he got a five-year deal. But... And and the suggestion was made by at least one of our listeners that maybe the reason he got that extension is there, there there's this belief that it's only him and only his system that Kyler can play in. Like it's like it's the marriage of the coach and the quarterback that needs to be maintained because the fear is some other coach might come in and they don't have the willingness slash ability to do with Kyler Murray what Cliff is able to do with Kyler Murray. That, that, would be, that would be so absurd to think that Kyler Murray can only play for one coach. I would, I, look, 100% agree with That's you. I'm just saying a suggestion that was, that was brought right, up. I know. And I, and I, I kind of thought the same thing. Like, you really think Kyler Murray can only be coached by one guy in this entire world? And that there's only one coach who whose skill set can Cliff, match up with Kyler's? Cliff may want you to think that because it keeps him on <laughs> He just got a five-year deal. Yeah. Got a five-year deal. Be like, he's, like, he's going to make a lot of money. Now, listen, if it doesn't work, I mean, you could always get from under it. We've talked about this. It's not, uh, it's just Michael money. It's not Cap money, but I I, I, I love that distinction. By the way, it's just Michael money. It's not cap money. It's Michael money, money, not cap money. You want to get out from under a five year contract? Get out from under a five year contract. Yeah, you can if you want. Yeah, it's going to be expensive, but it's not going to ding you on the cap. I at think all. he's got enough money. Text us your thoughts. The FanDuel text line is open right now at 620-620. The Suns say they aren't just going to give up Jay Crowder for nothing. So what is something when it comes to Jay Crowder? It's coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. All right, before we even get to the latest with Jay Crowder, where he might go, lots of different possibilities out there. We should probably start the conversation by passing along to you a quote from, once again, an anonymous source here. Mm. One rival general manager told Hoopswire that trading for Jay Crowder could be viewed as risky business. Quote, that's a movie. That's one of my Tom Cruise. That's a fantastic movie. That's a really that's one of my top five favorite Tom Cruise movies. Really? Oh, that movie's so funny. It's very old. Let me see see what I get you. Who directed it? (gasps) Brickman. Look at him. Look at him. Look at Brickman. Oh, God. So what's the first name? Paul Brickman. Paul Brickman. Okay. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Sorry. Seriously. Paul Brickman. I never heard of this guy. 
And I heard another, I've heard of another brick in the wall. Um, how, like, how do you do that? Because I've, you know, how do you know? Honestly, here's why. Who directed a movie in 1983? <laughs> how? Well, first of all, you would have gotten me on that. I would have guessed 1982. I've watched that movie so many times. I mean, easily 20 times. Do you, I've watched do you that like movie. watch the credits at the end of a movie? Yeah. You're that guy. That you're guy. that guy that, that stays guy to the end. Yeah. Right. Where everybody else is leaving the theater, you're like, let me see who did the makeup on that. Chair. Those people worked hard, Gambo. <laughs> yes. now, who I was running the teleprompter who's the on Risky Business who's in the, 1983? Who's, who's the key grip on Risky Business in 1983? I don't say for all the credits, but I, I do want to see who directed it. I want to see who wrote it. I want to see who the director of photography was. Yeah, I'm that guy. I'm that guy. And I, you know I, what? I, I let my freak flag fly on that one. That is that is me. That's what I do. Like, you know how we were talking when we were leaving work a couple days ago about we all have things that we're super, super passionate about that not everybody understands? Yes. Movies are my thing. What was mine? Politics. Politics. Movies are my thing. Yes. I, I, I'm I, very... I get, yeah, I get, I, politics is my... You, you I, are I branch freaky out. about politics the oh, way yeah, I yeah. am freaky about movies. Yeah, there were elections the same in, thing. in Italy over the weekend. So me and my family, for the last three days, we've been talking about the elections it's, in Italy. It's the, I, it's the same I thing. I enjoy that little break from sports and to get into politics. Yes, yes. that's the same thing. So you, of all people, should yes. understand why I yes. know that Paul Brickman directed Risky Business back in 1983. You. They I can't seem get freaky to you, you, but... but uh, I can't get anything past you, my nope. friend. Well, the, there are several movies out there you could. Anyway, back to the point. Okay. We kind of lost our way here. Quote, he's a nice player, a veteran who is one, someone who can help you in that 3 and D aspect. But I'd be real hesitant to get a guy who wants to be traded simply because he's told he'd have to earn his starting spot. That's not a team player. Close quote. Sam Amico was the one who wrote the article, by the way, on Hoops Wire. Yeah. So. Listen, it's a different situation, okay? Um, and I'll give you an example. Steve Kerr went to Andre Iguodala at one point and said, listen, your role's going to change. Like, you are a starting player for all... Your role's going to... You you know, we're going to change... And he accepted it. Hey, Andre Iguodala, okay. Listen, I want to win. I want to be here. I, yep. I, I'm going to accept that role. So what, what the Suns were trying to do with Jay Crowder is something that Steve Kerr and the Warriors did with Andre Iguodala. They did the exact same thing. You've been a starter your whole life. We're not going to have you start. Like, we need you to come off the bench. Mm -hmm. Why were the Warriors able to get, is it more on, on the approach, on how you did it? Is it more on the player? I mean, why did, was Iguodala more accepting than Crowder? Why? Why was Iguodala more accepting than Crowder? I don't know, but I don't, listen, Jake, Jake Crowder's not a bad guy. He's, but these players are, you know, they want what they want. And Jake Crowder doesn't want to come off the bench. And he wants an extension. And he wants to be in a game at the end. And he still feels like, you know, that he's at that level. He, he's not the starting quarterback ready to become the backup quarterback for the rest of his career. He doesn't yeah. want to be that. Yeah, and, and you're right. He's not a bad guy because of it. It'd be a whole lot easier if he would just have accepted what the Suns had told him. Because then we wouldn't have to worry about getting equal value for his return. Yeah. And who yeah. replaces Cam Johnson off the bench. and who? Because there's a lot of things Jake Crowder does that I really, really like. And, and you can look at just the numbers and go, eh, there's more to that with Jake Crowder. He's an intangible. that he brings. He is. He's, a, he's yeah. an intangible guy. He's a toughness guy. He's a defensive guy. He, he moves the ball very, very well in the flow of the offense. I like Jake Crowder a lot. They're a lesser basketball team without him. They don't make any doubt about that in my mind. The question now has become, the Suns are committed to moving him. Where are they going to move him to? You could throw a rock in the air and hit five different 
rumors of five different teams where he could go. I mean, they're everywhere right now about where he might end up. I know in particular, the Cleveland Cavaliers and Chetty Osman is a, is a name that has come up a few times on a couple of different publications. Yeah. And I was looking at just some numbers that, you know, cause a lot of times, you know, you, you look at a guy and how he plays against you and, and, and Chetty Osman against the Suns, two games against the Suns last year, 16 out of 30 from the field, 11 out of 19 from three point range. He scored 43 points. So that's a name that's come up in some of the rumors. I have not been able at this time to confirm that. I'm going to work a lot on this Jay Crowder stuff tonight, see what I can come up with. But that is, you know, that is, uh, that's some good numbers right there. He had two really good games against the Suns. Listen, he's a decent player. He's a good player. I mean, I don't like him as much as I like Bogdanovich, but he can shoot the three. He's got good size. He's, a, you know, he's not a good defensive player. He's okay. He's a willing defender. I always like to say that for a guy that at least tries. For a guy that's not a good defender, but he tries, I always say that's a willing defender. What does that mean? He'll try. He'll try. He'll try. He's, he's, because there's a lot of guys a lot that of don't guys even don't try. try. Yeah. So if I say a guy's a willing defender, he's not a good defensive player, but he, he'll, he'll try. Like, he'll try really hard, but he's just not good at it. But he will try. There's a lot of defenders that don't try. So that's a name that you've heard. Cleveland, I, I'm ruling out Dallas based on what I've heard. I'm ruling out Dallas. I, I think Boston's unlikely. Okay. I would say right now Miami and Cleveland are real possibilities. I'm going to try to find out more, but I would think Miami and Cleveland make a lot of sense. And if you make a deal with Cleveland, you know, you could go after an Osman type because that's somebody that James may look at and say, okay, I like that guy's a decent, he's a good three-point shooter. We can use somebody that can shoot the ball. Yeah. It's too bad that deal didn't go down with uh, with the Utah Jazz because Jared Vanderbilt would have been just fine by me. Listen, I'm just fine by I, me. I really tried to help in that one. <laughs> I really did. I tried to get that deal to work. Did you know? I did. I tried. I tried. No, I, I, I believe you that you tried. I, I, I just try harder, you know? Come on. I tr- do better. I tried. <laughs> let's, let's go. Come on. Let's make that You know, happen. I wanted Bogdanovich here. Yes. I did. Yeah, but Jared Vanderbilt would have been. I know. I know. Been a really that's, nice why there was no, that's why there was no deal. My my only fear is fear that, itself. The, no, uh, is well that too. But <laughs> I'm also afraid they'll get less than what they want for Jay because teams will know the Suns are desperate to move him. You know that the Suns. Yeah, that's the Suns a, that's a normal have to move him. Yeah, and the Suns have already acknowledged they're going to move him. So there's no drama here. There's no surprise. Hopefully they get a deal that, look, when it comes to moving Jay, the draft picks are a nice idea. I want somebody who helps in this window, not the next. Right. You know, I really do. Like, draft picks, you can make an argument, and they get, they get more draft picks, and now they can go out and make an even better argument, a better draft, or a better trade for the next guy to replace Chris Paul. Okay, I could buy that. I want this window. I'm still on this window. And Jay, yeah, Jay was Jay, in this window. Jay was totally this Jay window. Jay was in this window. Jay was all about the next calendar you know, year winning a championship. You're, you're on to something here. Because all of the draft picks that they have going forward, that's in the next window. Yeah. Jay is in this window. Yeah, and for the people who don't know what we're talking about, the now window, it's the Chris Paul window. The next window is the post-Chris Paul window. Okay? Yeah. I want a... Now window guy. I want a mm-hmm. this window you want guy. A now. I do not want a next window guy. I agree with you. Yeah, with this one now. Well, we heard the cliff rip job when we come back here on the Burns and Gambo show on National. Take a blowtorch to the Cardinals Day. Time for the Kyler Murray rip job. You'll hear it next on the Burns and Gambo show. 
98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Welcome to this edition of the Burns and Gambo Show, where we are apparently celebrating National Blowtorch a Cardinal Day. It's been like that all day long. Don't know why. Turn the blowtorch to the Cardinals. Sometimes when you when you go looking for things to talk about, mm-hmm. right, for a four-hour show every day, you're yeah. never really quite sure where it's going to take you. Like, like tomorrow, I'm sure we'll talk about the Dolphins and the Bengals at some point. We'll have Steve Keim on the show, and we'll preview the game with him, etc. But you're not always sure where you're going to go. I was not expecting to be talking about a Washington Post article in which anonymous scouts and people around the NFL were taking a blowtorch to Cliff Kingsbury. And I certainly was not anticipating that we'd have a conversation about what LaShawn McCoy said about Kyler Murray today on a podcast. Man, it was National Blowtorch a Cardinal Day because LaShawn McCoy on the I Am Athlete podcast, what started out as a conversation about DeAndre Ayton turned into a rip job on Kyler Murray. You know how we talk about Kyler Murray? It's like he's streaming. Should he be studying, doing that? That's who Ayton is. He's trash. Aiden, no, but Aiden played his role. You like Aiden? No, I'm saying, I'm saying, you just example, and I'm saying that the player you use is trash. Kyler Murray, trash. Wow, overhyped, overrated. He put like a he put like high school player. Runs around. I think, I think he's overhyped. Runs backwards. He does a circle, the ballerina circle, then goes left, goes right, turns all the way around again, then looks for a wide receiver. He's trash. That's not how he played quarterback. Wow. I mean, wow. How many times did he actually say trash in that? Was it four? I think it was four. Like, he said trash more than he actually explained why. He doesn't like him. Like, honestly, like there's, the, there's less of an explanation as to why you don't like him compared to, I don't like the way that he runs around a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, there was, wasn't there? I mean, yes. you hope with something like that. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's any history between LaShawn McCoy and Kyler Murray. I, I, I hope not. I don't think there is. I, I don't know. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I don't know if there is any or not. I, I, I want to know what a guy thinks about a player. I could do without calling the guy trash yeah. four times in a 34-second soundbite. Yep. Obviously, and I get there are some people in our world, in our culture, in our society who really like to hear stuff like that. Right, who love to hear guys getting called names and guys getting called out and stuff. I, I, I the, me, no, I don't, I don't. And if Lashawn McCoy has a problem with Kyler Murray, you can say what you have a problem with with Kyler Murray without calling him names like that. You know, I mean, it's just, it's. I'm having like a Des Bryant. That's my quarterback moment here, right? I've had yeah. every time we've played this. It's like, okay, come on, the guys. I don't think the guy's perfect either. I think the guy's flawed too. All right, I think I think guy has is more that he needs to learn and more that he needs to do. But whoa, slow down! It's listen. There's some validity. There is some validity validity to the things he said about you know what Kyler does. I mean, it, it definitely is. But I. I, I think that he was really extreme on that. And as a guy, he's got a, you know he's played a long time in the NFL. He's got a couple Super Bowl rings from playing in the NFL. He was in a lot of playoff games. 
you know, so, you know, he, he's got an opinion. And in his opinion, you know, Kyler's style and the way he plays, he's not a fan of it. And no. I get that. Like, well, I get that. And he can explain. But to say, listen, we all, Tyler's, Kyler's an extremely talented quarterback. He ha, he does a lot of things he does well on a football field. And I will, and, and I'm not a fan of his inability to read the defense. I still think three years in, he doesn't know what the hell he's seeing when he gets to the line of scrimmage. And I truly believe that with all my heart based on the game film that I go over. He's not, he doesn't know what he's seeing. But I think McCoy went to the, to the extremes to rip him. Yeah. And just to make sure we don't totally aggregate LaShawn McCoy, we want to be fair about this. I mean, that wasn't the only thing he said about Kyler Murray. And in these subsequent sound bites here, he does kind of flesh it out a little bit more. Okay. I don't know how they got on to comparing Kyler Murray to Patrick Mahomes, but here's what LaShawn McCoy said about that. So Mahomes can do DA Mahomes. And let me tell you about Mahomes real quick. Majority of Mahomes' passes are timing, right? Third step, hit, boom, balls out. Fifth step, hit, boom, balls out. Now, sometimes he he, he goes off script because we all can do that. So I, I, I'm running to the left sometimes. I'm running to the right sometimes. But then I might stop and cut back. I go off script. Not every pass. Every pass is holding the ball. Let's make a miracle. Just watch the guy. Every game he's played, watch him play. It's, it's really embarrassing, to be honest. Like, who's coaching this kid? Now, when they say, we want you to, we want to sign you a big contract for $100 million, but you got to watch certain film. Now that it makes sense, I see why. Because he ain't reading no coverages. Now, see, that that's right, but that's right. He's right. That's why I said there's some validity to it. He's not reading any coverages. Not. He's not good at it. That's not the part I was reacting to. Okay. I was reacting to the part about the end, about the clause, the homework clause. Yeah, that it still comes and up. And it's like, oh, that that's still a thing, huh? Yeah. We're, we're still talking about that, yes. huh? That's still a, you know, we, we were worried about that. We were worried about it when they put it in. We were worried about it when they took it out. That just its mere existence would continue to be a talking point. And, and it's, and it's, you focused on the first half of what he said there, and rightfully so. I focused on the part as soon as he brought up the clause. I thought, oh, God, here, here we, we go. go. Here we go. Here we go with that again. It was never, ever going to go away for good. Like, it would always be something that people would use it, keep it in the back of your pocket. Oh, I got to pull that card out now. Get out of jail. Kyler stinks and he has why they want to and I'm going to bring this up so it's almost like anytime you're going to make an argument that Kyle is no good you, you you've got that in your back pocket if you want to they had to put a clause in the yeah. contract because they don't think he's reading he's watching film and I also want to say for every argument that can be made that Kyler's no good let's not forget what it was that we were saying on this here radio show and this here radio station just two weeks ago that on the back end of that Raiders comeback man that's there are very few yeah. guys in this league who can do that right there are very few guys in this league that can play at that level at that ability to be able to, was it improvise? Was he improvising out there? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But w- was he doing it in a way that was unbelievable to watch? And in the moment we said, that's why you pay that dude $200 million. Yeah. That's why you pay that dude $200 million because he can do that stuff that other guys can't do. He can and throw for- the ball with accuracy and he can run. He just doesn't get to the line of scrimmage and have a real good understanding of what he's seeing out there. And that's why most of everything they figure out, he is after the snap occurs. And a lot of times he just focuses on one guy and he does just, you know, for whatever reason, doesn't have the ability to go through all of those progressions and reads. Yeah. Once again, just because we, for the sake of not aggregating everything, LaShawn McCoy said, here's one more that we had from the I am athlete pod. When a quarterback is running around like that all day, all night, all game, that's because he's not reading any coverages. Mm. That's facts. And you know that, Brandon, Marshall, 
the beast. And I know, and that's the point you've been making for the better part of today. Sure. You know, that, that you're not necessarily the running around part, but just the, the inability to really pre-snap read, you know, pre-snap. kind of process what it is. The best quarterbacks seeing. get to the line of scrimmage, identify the Mike linebacker, you see where you are, where's the coverage slanted, what do I, and you've got a really good idea where you're going to go with the ball. That's not Kyler. Kyler doesn't really determine that until like afterwards. But most, you know, you, the best quarterbacks get to that line of scrimmage and have a real good understanding. I think this is going to be my best option before the snap. And Kyler, in my opinion, that's why I don't think it's the play calling and designs by Cliff. I really don't think. I think the play calling and designs are just are fine. Text the word fan to 620-620. Your chance to become the Red Bird Farms chicken fan of the game. One lucky winner will win two tickets to an upcoming Arizona Cardinals home game and be featured on the Jumbotron. Again, it's your chance to become the Red Bird Farms chicken fan of the game. Text the word fan to 620-620. What is the most concerning thing about the Cardinals so far this season, and just how concerning is it? That's coming up here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? All right, none of the local teams in action tonight. There is what I think could be a very good Thursday night game on, and it is underway. The Bengals are beating the Dolphins right now, 7-3. Of course, Cincinnati's off to a rough start. They're only 1-2. and two. The only team they've beaten is the Jets. A lot of I can't hear you. Your microphone's not on. You don't want to fall to one and three. That's what he said. Um, no, you don't. You don't want to fall to one and three. Uh, but right now, the Bengals are up seven to three. We got a five-yard Joe Mixon touchdown run to give them the lead. Uh, and Miami right now has the ball. And, and, and by the way, just as a personal aside here, the Bengals are rocking their alternate uniforms tonight. They look. You can't see it up there because it's on Amazon. They're the white ones. Oh, got the the white striped uh, uh, Kenny, helmets. Is that Kenny Anderson? T- oh wow, those look good, right? Oh, yeah, looks pretty those, good. Those, I don't. I don't normally. That's I said this on good. Twitter. I don't normally geek out about stuff like that. Yeah, those look pretty good. I got to admit, those are like wow. okay. Those are pretty sweet unis right there. I, I could go for those. Uh, so seven to three right now, and then coming up after us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Is the Big Red Rage. And and how about this for a promotional tease? Okay. Right? Hollywood Brown joins Paul Calvisi and Ron Wolfley on the Big Red Rage tonight to talk about his role in the offense, the return of Rondell Moore, playing with Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma, and his job as a Six Flags roller coaster operator he needed to help oh pay for his Juco God. tuition. I had no idea. I hate, I hate, he was a roller, he was a roller coaster operator. Right. And he used that money to help pay for his Juco tuition. That's how me and Lisa DiMartini broke up. Prom, prom, the day, the, the day after the prom. I'm sorry? Day after the prom. So we had a prom, me and Lisa DiMartini. We were, you know, we were a couple. Okay. Me and Lisa DiMartini. Okay. And then, you know, I had the prom at the bonfire. I told them to talk about the bonfire at the beach. We listened to Prince. And then the next day we all went to Great Adventure. And I tell her, I go, listen, I'm deathly afraid of roller coasters. Do not ask me to go on a roller coaster. We're told my friends. I don't want to be embarrassed. We're there for five minutes. Let's go on the runaway train. Are you, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I hate roller coasters. Huh? She and I told her. I said, don't make me go on the roller coaster. Five minutes in, she's. Uh, we let's go on the runaway train, and we like everybody goes. All right, let's go. And I'm sitting there like. So like you know, I had to go on a runaway train, and I was miserable. And that's I'm like, I got, I was so mad that we broke up that right after the runaway train, I broke up with somebody on the runaway train. 
<laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm sitting behind her and scrum, I'm like, I'm, I'm so done with this relationship. This- I'm not going to be ignored, Dan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, just when I thought I had learned everything I had to learn about you, I've never heard that story yes. before. Yep. I've been doing this show with you for 11 years uh, now. I've known yeah. you for 25 nice. years. I've never heard you tell that story I, before. I hate roller coasters. Do you still hate them? I hate roller you coasters. You still hate them? I, I, okay. I hate roller coasters. Wow. I, I hated them as a kid. Oh, my God. I don't mind them so, now. I'm so afraid of roller coasters. I don't, I don't mind them now. I'm fine with them now. As long as I can sit there comfortably, you know? Yeah. You put me in one where I feel like, I, like I'm like i like totally locked in. I'm not very comfortable with that at all. All right. So that's coming up. Uh, Hollywood Brown on his job as a Six Flags roller coaster operator to help pay for his Juco tuition. In addition to all the Cardinal stuff, that's coming up on the Big Red Rage immediately following us here on Burns and Gambo. Uh, National Take a Blowtorch to the Cardinals Day continues. And... It's an unofficial, unrecognized holiday, but apparently it's a real thing because story number three today, and this is less of a blowtorch and just more of a red flag sort of thing. Bill Barnwell, esteemed NFL writer over Mm -hmm. at ESPN, rated four big early season worries in the NFL, and I made a joke earlier, and I'll say it again. Man, I saw the headline on ESPN.com, and I just knew the Cardinals were one of the four teams. I just knew of it. Of course they were. I, I was like, I, I click on this, because here's some Cardinals content right here. Clicked on it, and yeah, he rates the Cardinals as one of the big worries. He, his panic level, he says, be very scared of how the Cardinals have played. Most of it is a defensive evaluation, but not all of it. He's concerned about how often they're blitzing, how often they're not getting home on the blitz. They're not getting any pressure. He points out explosive plays and how the Cardinals this year are giving up way too many and way. not getting nearly enough. No. And, the, and, and that's the Hollywood Brown argument. Like, you got this guy, he's averaging 10 yards a catch, but he's a guy that stretches the field. You can have those big explosive plays with him. And so that's, you know, part of that is that they haven't been able to hit on those explosive plays. Yeah. Uh, he's even got a stat. I don't know if this is an actual stat or if he just invented it, but the worst expose, explosive point differential over the first three weeks of the season, only three other teams, including the 2018 Arizona Cardinals with Steve Wilkes, were, were worse through the first three games. And then something else... By the po- way, do you know who uh, coach uh, Steve Wilkes is a coach on the Carolina staff? Oh, he is? He is. He's like the associate defensive coach. Steve oh. Wilkes is on the Carolina Pan- the Carolina Panthers staff. And he's filed a lawsuit against the NFL in which he named the Arizona Cardinals. There's nothing awkward about that at all. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah but he's, he's on that staff. Something else he pointed out about the Cardinals' offense that I want to bring up, too, in this story. An offense that, in his words, has been surviving mostly through succeeding on fourth downs. And I looked this up. Oh, yeah, because they were... F- Five or seven at one point? They're, they're 10 of 14. Overall? Overall. 10 of 14. I looked it up. They have attempted by far. The most. The most. And they've converted by f- the next closest team in fourth down conversion so far in the NFL are the Lions. They're five for nine. The Cardinals are 10 for 14. Wow. I mean, and, and I thought about it. Close. And there is a lot of what they've been able to succeed 
on this year offensively? I mean, we think about the one win and we think about the fourth quarter of the one win. Fourth down, fourth down, fourth down, fourth down, right? I mean, it is. Everything was fourth down. Well, their third down conversion has been awful all year. Terrible all year. They bail themselves out with the fourth down. Now, is that sustainable? I don't know. Can you continue to go for it on fourth down and convert at that high of a pace all year long? I don't know. But if you want to, it's, it's the truth. You want to point to a big reason why the Cardinals got that one win? because they converted as well as they did on fourth down in that yeah. game. It was a huge part of it. You don't want to put yourself in a position where you're, you play ahead. You don't have to. You don't go for fourth downs. You punt the ball. Problem is they're behind all the time. They're even going for fourth downs at their own like twenty yard line. Yeah, because like we're playing from behind. We got to take a chance. You don't want to have to go for all those fourth downs. I'll tell you, win or lose. I mean, if they lose this weekend to Carolina, it's it's panic time at one and three. Yeah, you're losing in Carolina. I agree. Um, I I hope at the very least they end up leading this game at some point in regular. If we go through another one of those weeks, I think Carolina's got a streak of not allowing first uh, first drive points, like twenty something games where they have not allowed a, a points on a te- on a team's first drive against their, their them. Defense gets after it. Yeah, their defense their defense legitimately gets after it. I was reading a preview of the game, same one you had in your email too, on NFL.com, in which the, the the writer at the at the website said, "Look, make no mistake, these are two one and two teams, and I don't know if either one of them are any good." He just picked the Cardinals because he thinks they have better quarterback. Play. All of the picks are relatively like uh, most people are picking the Cardinals, but every time you see a score 24-21, 27-24, most people think this will be a, this will be a close football game. Yeah, it's uh, we'll see. We'll see when we come in here on Monday. Of course, we still have a whole other show tomorrow on the Burns and Gambo show we to do. preview that day. Yes, we do. We have Steve Kime joining us at three o'clock, general manager of the Cardinals, uh, and of course everything that happens in Thursday night football and and all of that. So we do have the big red raid coming up next and then we're going to be back with you tomorrow at straight up 2 o'clock right here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. That is going to do it for us. We will see you tomorrow right here 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Have a great night everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Go.